Matthew, the seventh chapter, starting out with uh, verse number 21 down to verse number 23. And the Bible gives us this intelligence on Matthew chapter number 7, verse number 21. It says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me that, that in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. Most gracious and loving Heavenly Father, God, I love you, and I thank you for another opportunity to stand up, Lord, behind the pulpit and preach this gospel. Lord, I pray, God, over the hearts, over the congregation, God, that you'll give me wisdom, that you give me clarity, God. Lord, I pray, God, that you'll have your will in this house, God, and we will give you all the praise and all the glory. In the name of Jesus and the church said, Amen. Amen. Well, it is good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. It looks like we're missing a few folks tonight, but where two or three are gathered together in my name, he's in the midst, praise God. I'm going to be preaching out a very set of familiar scriptures tonight. Everybody heard it. We've all preached it. Every preacher that's ever stood up behind the pulpit pretty much preached out of this set of same scriptures right here. In Matthew chapter number 7, verse number 20, it says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father. I want you to know Jesus was making a decorative statement right here. Jesus, that deity, that Son of God, declared a fact right here in Matthew's chapter number 7. He declares with, with certainty that not everybody that cries out to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Not everybody that comes unto me, confessing me that I am their Lord, is indeed going to come into the kingdom of heaven. It doesn't work that way. There's a, something that we got to go through just a little bit before Jesus becomes Lord of our life. He gives the here clarity to understand something that is forgotten amongst a lot of men and a lot of women in our generation in the house of God today. It is not accepted in most parts of America today. It's not acceptable in the evangelical mainline teachings of today. It's not addressed behind most pulpits. It's not addressed by most preachers. It's not addressed by most teachers. It's not addressed in most Bible studies because this right here brings opposition to this gospel. When Jesus says, not everybody that declares unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. There's a danger in this. In this statement right here that he declares as a fact. Our Lord and our Savior declares it as a, as a fact that it is a half-truth of this gospel. A lot of people think they can do anything under the sun and he's going to just accept them and going to be Lord of their life. That is not the case. Amen. Jesus said not everybody that cries out, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but them in which does the will of my Father. 
In that day, he said, oh, we're going to, pro we prophesied it in your name. We cast out devils in your name. Oh, we've done all these wonderful, mighty works in your name. I gave, I helped, I gave my time, I gave my money, I gave a lot of things unto the church, God. What are you talking about? Lord, Lord, why will you not let me enter into the kingdom of heaven? Preachers preaching Flipping a one-sided coin on this doctrine right here. It's unfair to preach one-sided truth, damning people to hell for eternity. Preachers will not preach to you the opposite side of this coin. Because when it's all said and done, and when that preacher said all that he had to say, and when those parents said all that they had to say to teach you morals and values in life, and when it comes down to it, it is nobody fault and it is nobody's responsibility except for your own when you stand before the Lord. Every doctrine, every denomination, every church is overlooking this fundamental truth of regeneration. The fundamental truth of what repentance really is in the eyes of God. Yes, we are saved by grace through faith, not of works lest any man should boast. We're not saved by mama. We're not saved by daddy. We're not saved by preachers and teachers. We are saved by grace through faith, not of works, not of myself, lest I should boast, but it is a gift of God. But we cannot remove the statement. Faith without works is dead. Amen. That being alone. You cannot possess this without repenting of your sins. You're never going to possess this without accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. You're never going to possess this without faith in who He is. When He comes unto God, you must believe that He is Amen. and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently Amen. seek Him. Amen. we got to come to God declaring who He is. Believe in His deity. Believe in the words written in red that it's the Son of the living God. we got to come unto Him believing who He is. Because the devils in hell believe and they tremble. And most people, I'd like to say a lot of the church world, they say they believe in God, don't even have enough sense to tremble when they think about the deity and the power and the majesty of our Lord and our Savior over all creation. Believing that there is a God is not enough. Believing that Jesus is the Son of God is not enough. Believing that Jesus died for the sins of the world out there is not enough. Do you believe that Jesus is your Lord tonight? Do you believe that Jesus is your Savior tonight? Do you believe that Jesus paid the price for your sins personally? He is a personal God. A God that demands a relationship with you. A God that demands that you spend time with Him. A God that demands your attention 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. He wants all of you. If you believe that you would repent of your sins, 
You would deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Him. I talked to my son Gabriel the other day. We was driving down the road. And of course, he just had a birthday. He just turned 13 years ago. And uh, me, and, me and his mother, we was talking back and forth to him. We was telling him how, you know how the world works now. You know, uh, the age of accountability is what we call it right there. You know, he's been, he's been smart enough and he's smarter than a, a lot of kids his age. And he just understand truly how the world works. He understands the, the knowledge of good and evil. He understands that there is consequences for actions. He understands seeing the things of God. He can identify them and say, yes, I think that's holy. Or yes, I think that's right. Or yes, I think a man or a woman ought to live like this or like that. And be perfectly responsible for his own judgments when he stands before the Lord. Because he's smart enough to know right from wrong. And it's sad that my 13-year-old and my 14-year-old sons they have enough common sense to know more than a lot of 50-year-old men, so-called Christians, concerning fundamental truths on the change of heart. Sister Dance, you brought up a scripture this morning, and I had to show it to my wife. And it says... If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. If I regard willful sin, if I regard willful rebellion, if I regard a willful a transition to push away God out of my life and I hold and harbor sin willfully in my heart, not wanting to give it over to God, not wanting to let God have His will and have my way, I want you to know she was stood perfectly corrected when it says that God wants to hear a repentant prayer from His children they do not belong to Him yet. He wants to hear a repentant prayer from them. It says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, For godly sorrow work with repentance unto salvation, not to be repented of, for sorrows of the world work of death. I know about three or four months ago, I went over this scripture real clear, but it just goes hand in hand. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. The Bible says, it says, for godly sorrow worketh repentance unto salvation. Yeah. For godly sorrow. When I get down and I, and I get truthful with God, and God begins to deal with me, and I begin to, to sob before the Lord. And I say, for godly sorrow worketh repentance unto salvation. It means that I am sorry for the things, the lifestyle, and the stuff I got myself into. He says, for godly sorrow worketh repentance unto salvation. That word repentance right there means a change of heart, a change of mind, a change of direction. If I am walking one way and I change and I repent, I am going to turn around and go completely the opposite way. That is repentance. And it says, for godly sorrow worketh repentance unto salvation. And that next part of the scripture has to make sense to everybody. It says not to be repented of. Not to be repented of means you have to have an understanding with God. 
When you come unto God, you can't just show him your hands and show him your heart and say, God, you know what? I am sorry that I got caught up in this. I am sorry that I got involved in this. I am sorry that I make a lot of poor choices and got myself in this. God, and I'm sorry. And God deals with that heart. And he speaks to you on a personal level. And he says, Jason, you tell me that you love me. Jason, you tell me that you're sorry. Are you going to do it again? And I say, well, Lord, there's some stuff I got to take care of first. And, you know, I'm probably going to do it again. I can use a lot of a lot of a lot of things to put in this place right here. Y'all can just use y'all's imaginations, whatever it may be. You know, you can use anything under the sun that has your vice, that has your addictions, that has whatever you're struggling with and your issues with. When a man comes unto God, when a woman comes unto God and she says, God, I'm sorry. I want you to know right now when you come to God and you, and you mean business with God and you're serious with God. He examines the heart. He sees the inclinations inside of your heart. He knows if you mean business. If you come unto Him and say, God, I'm sorry. I'm struggling with this. I don't want to be that no more. I don't want to do this no more. I don't want to act like that no more. I don't want to hang with that no more. Whatever it is that you're involved in. If you have the mindset that, no, Lord, I'm going to keep doing it. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. If I come unto God and I mean business with God, He hears me. If I come unto God and I don't really mean business. If I'm trying to be shady unto the Lord, if that's a word to use it. If I'm trying to pull one over on Him. When I know I'm invested in all kinds of junk waiting for me at the house. And I'm up here on the altar. Can't wait to go home to get involved in whatever. You're wasting your time. Trying to play God like a fiddle. Amen. God knows your heart. He knows your mind. He knows every type of feeling inside of your body because He created you in His likeness. For sorrows of the world worketh death. That means when you get up there and you can cry crocodile tears and say, Oh God, I'm sorry. And He says, Are you going to do it anymore? And you said, Yes. For sorrows of the world worketh death and you're still dead and you're still in your sins because you did not mean that what you said unto the Lord thy God. Back to Matthew. We're going to move back to 7, 13 and 14. 7, 13. Jesus says, Enter you in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few be there that find it. Jesus once again makes a statement. Jesus states a fact that there is a gate. Jesus is telling you there is a gate, there is a straight and narrow, and there is a broad, and there is a wide. Thousands of preachers across America preach this gospel just like it sounds out of this scripture right here, and they leave and they knock something off. They give you once again a one-sided coin, a one-sided message, a one-sided point of view. 
They say it's the same message. They say that it is a gate because Jesus calls it a gate. They say it's the same truth because Jesus speaks truth. Preachers preach it. They preach their guts out sometimes preaching this set of scriptures. They'll look you at look at you in your face and they'll look at you in your eyes and they'll tell you the congregation that Jesus is the way, he is the truth, and that he is the life. They'll tell you that there is no life outside of Christ. They'll tell you there's no life outside of this gate right here. No man comes unto the Father except by Him, Christ. They will say that and they will feel good about themselves while they're preaching this gospel in that manner. But all the while, this scripture is condemning millions of people to a devil's hell. This scripture right here, when everybody says, oh, all these paths and all these roads leave unto Christ right here. Or they lead unto God. That you can, you can pick and choose that your road that you want to go. God's called many different things, but we cut them off. We say, there's not many roads. There's not many ways. There's only one. And that is the son of the living God. There's only one gate. And that is the straight. And that is the narrow. And most preachers that stand up behind the pulpit don't want to offend you. So they don't even mention the broad and wide. They leave it alone. They'll skim right over that part. They don't want to offend anybody. They don't want nobody to get offensive. So they don't want to preach against anything that's going to cause opposition. They don't want to preach against anything that's going to rile you up on the inside. They never address what's going on in the world today. They never address some of the things that may be going on in the life of the unbeliever today. In the life of the believer today. They don't address these things. They leave it alone. They leave you and you're walking dead in your sins. And they won't even address the bride and the wide. People have a mindset that is destructive. I know. I walked that life. I'd done those things. A lot of things that I wasn't proud of. A lot of choices that I kicked myself over that I regret. All the choices and all the decisions that I have made growing up through life that I just wish that I could go back and do things over. I know how destructive my earlier life was. I know all the stuff that I got involved in. I know how warped a mind can be outside of Christ touching that mind. People always living for themselves. People always doing those things that are right in their own eyes. Doing what makes themselves feel good. Governed by their own rules and their own emotions. And doing whatever under the sun as long as it feels right unto them. The Bible says in Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way which seemeth right unto man. But the end thereof are the ways of death. That is Psalms 14.12 A carnal minded preacher leads to carnal minded Christians. Always. If that's even a real thing. If I could even use that word a carnal minded Christian or a carnal minded preacher. If that can even go together. That right there it does not even make sense because there is not a carnal minded Christian in the house tonight. Jesus says wide is the gate and broad is the way. Holy doctrines produce 
holy people. And holy doc- or unholy doctrines produce unholy people. They are preachers of this gospel. That they're preaching unrepentant hearts. They are preachers preaching a Jesus that doesn't challenge your life. Or want to change your life or your lifestyles. They are preaching a doctrine that doesn't dictate how you live before the Lord. They don't preach controversial issues because it stirs up something. And some of these people, they get wild on you. If you, if you, you get to talking to somebody the wrong way, they almost punch you in the mouth when you offend them on how they live. I've seen it myself. I got a lot of creatures that work with me. That's one way I can put it. And I can talk that gospel with them. And boy, if I, if I get on certain things, I can see it. Boy, they'll, they'll puff up like an old hen. You know, they get, they, get, they get mad as can be. So you got you to gotta pick and choose your battles and show where you can put that love in and how long you can leave it there and try to get away. Some people, you know, it takes love to tolerate them. Anyway, they preach you. They don't preach on lifestyles that condemn the soul before God. They don't preach against the sins, perhaps in your life, the things that has hooked up on you and these chains that bind you down and all these things that easily beset you before the Lord. They won't address these issues because they're controversial. They're having a form of godliness, but they deny that power thereof. They deny that power, and they don't have no power in themselves. They believe in things that cannot even change them. Broken down preachers preaching broken down gospels. Broken sermons. They got broken down altars that have no requiring of a real sacrifice on them. Preaching another gospel. Preaching another Jesus. Preaching another gate. No doubt in my mind. We're blessed. We get to come to a church filled with saved folks. People that understand this gospel. People that have a real insight on the truth of this gospel. A lot of people that seem like they just got it right. Folks that understand and they understand what happens to a person when they get saved. Folks that understand that straight and that narrow gate. Folks that are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Folks that had God to deal with them. That God to come down and sit in that pew right where they're sitting at and start probing and pulling on the heartstrings of their heart like a puppet master. They know God for themselves. A heart that has conviction before the Lord. we got to understand we are amongst the people and we're blessed that understand what a convicted heart looks like before God. Understand that salvation is a heart issue. Salvation isn't so much a, a creed or so much something that you just speak at an at a altar one time or another. That salvation is a 24-7 work of God on the heart and the life of the believer tonight. The Bible says... 
that our heart is desperately wicked and deceitful. I know this. You know, you remember what you was before you got saved. You know all the mischief that you got caught up in, all the stuff that you believed in. The Bible says our heart is desperately wicked and deceitful. Our heart did not want to line up with the Word of God, and nor could we make it because we was dead in the presence of God. Old David cries out and he says, Oh God, give me a clean heart. Preachers, stop preaching against the heart issues of life. Preachers, stop preaching that there is no unrighteous, no not one. All their righteousnesses as filthy rags does not flow out from behind the pulpits any longer. Preachers, stop preaching against the broad and the wide gate. They walk you down an aisle. They ask, do you want to die lost? And you, of course, you say, no, I, I don't want to die lost. They ask you, do you want to go to heaven? And you'll tell them, yes, of course I want to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven. I want everybody to go to heaven. I think everybody should go to heaven. And they say, do you accept Jesus Christ into your heart? They say, absolutely. If it's going to keep me out of hell, I'll accept Him. My friends will accept Him. We'll all accept Him. And they say, well, do you feel any different now? You say, well, yeah, I kind of feel a little different. You know, I mean, I just, I just accepted Jesus in my heart. And they said, well, don't let that devil confuse you. Oh, we welcome you into the family of God. Oh, you're saved. Don't let, let nobody tell you that you're not saved. And all the while, they was trapped in that carnality that's inside of their mind thinking, well, this is just too easy. Get up here and they, they quote some little prayer and they just say, oh, I just about Jesus to come into my heart, come and save me. And they don't mean nothing that they just said. And then they have somewhere on the inside of them that somehow they believe this. They believed it because a preacher told them, yes, you're saved now. They believe it because a, a teacher told them, yes, they're saved now. Or their wife or their husband or perhaps their grandparents or whatever. They got saved when they was 12. They walked down the aisle and accepted Christ. And yes, they had an experience. Yes, God seemed to be real to them. They accepted Him in their heart. But when they got up and walked away from that altar, they left Christ sitting there on that altar. And they didn't take nothing that was real with them when they left that altar. Of course... The devil won't tell you that you are not saved when you're not saved. The devil won't tell you that. He says, if you will believe that lie, I'll believe it right along with you. If you really think that you're saved, my goodness, I'm going to leave you alone. I ain't going to cause so many troubles for you. I'm going to go ahead and let you believe that lie that you just got saved. You didn't even repent before the Lord. You didn't find yourself feeling guilty before the Lord. You didn't break yourself before the Lord. You didn't go to Him in truth and sincerity and pour yourself out before Him and say, God, come and save me. I'm wretched, I'm black, and I'm dirty, and I have transgressed against the law of God. Did not mean what they said, and that is what's going on across America today. A lot of dead people full of dead works, and they don't have no real experience with God. A preacher that never deals with the heart of man does not have a heart for God. A preacher that never deals with the heart of man does not have a heart for God. That's why most Americans believe that they are saved. 
preachers, they walked them down an aisle once upon a time. They, they never addressed that the lifestyle of sin they was living in. They never addressed the repentance issue that they was trapped in. They never addressed, verily, verily, I say unto you, unless the man be born again. He shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. They never said nothing to me about being born again. They never said nothing to me about my faults and all my failures and all my mishaps. I didn't even have to say I was sorry. They never addressed the scriptures that address, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. They never gave me any kind of instruction whatsoever that I was dead in my sins and all I had to do is say a little prayer and I didn't even mean it because I had no conviction. Broad is the gate. Christ for Christ. A broad gate does not exist. For a Christian. There is no broad gate. For a Christian. Jesus said it plainly. He said straight and narrow is that gate. And few there be that find it. He never said that you can trample out there in the world. And you can walk out there in the broad. And you can surf out there in the wide. And oh yes come and enjoy the joys of the Lord. God never said that. Jesus never addressed that. He said you walk straight and narrow. Yeah. Before the Lord. You said a prayer, yes. You had an experience, yes. You confessed the repeat after me's, yes. But nothing changed. Nothing changed in your heart. Nothing changed in your mind. It's the same old you. You have the same desires. You don't desire the things of God. You don't desire the things of the spiritual. You don't desire to read His Word. You don't desire to want to know who He is. He did not change nothing in your life or in your lifestyle. Same heart. People ask you, are you saved? Absolutely, I'm saved. I said a prayer when I was 12. They ask you, well, have you been baptized? You know, we got them doctrines going away, going around. Yes, absolutely. I was baptized when I was 13. I know I'm good and I am saved. I have eternal security inside of me. And I know Jesus because one time I spoke to him when I was 13 years old at an altar. And he told me that I was saved. They got just enough morals to come back every now and then and darken the church door to sit in the back pew and just feel like, you know, they can feel a little conviction. They can feel a little God move on just to know that they feel they manipulate themselves and they think that they are still saved. Haven't spoke to God in six months. Haven't read his word in a year. You know, all these things go about and they feel like they're saved just because they feel the pull and the tug of the Holy Ghost is trying to pull them down to the altar and say, let's really get real with each other. Let's have a relationship with each other. If any man be in Christ, we love this scripture. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. I am changed. That is the gospel. God comes in. He wipes across my heart. And he changes my life. Yes. But for those that doesn't know 
this New Testament foundation, this New Testament forgiveness, this New Testament Holy Ghost that rules and reigns, leads and guides and directs me and convicts my heart. Those that have never felt that, never have been changed. Jesus says, straight is the gate and narrow is the way and few there be that find it. How do I know that nothing has changed? Because that old man is not dead. Jesus said a good tree bringeth forth good fruit. A bad tree bringeth forth bad fruit. I've said it before. The world out there, they'll say, don't you judge a book by its cover. I want you to know, Jesus, that is not what he said. He said, you'll know that tree. You'll know that tree by their fruit. If I walk up to their tree and the tree be evil, the fruit's going to be evil too. If the tree be good, if that fruit be good, you know that that tree is good. Jesus lays a solid foundation, opens up those spiritual eyes and lets you see truth in this gospel. They look like everybody else. They talk the same way. They still have that filthy conversation the same way. They walk the same way. They act the same way. They listen to the same junk. They watch the same junk. They're entertained by the same junk. They have no convictions. They have the same lifestyle. Oh, there's still carnal Christians floating around out there. Oh, nothing has changed. They have no shame in who they are. They have no repentance, no change, no course, no change of mind, no change of direction anywhere inside of them but yet they'll declare unto a world out there that I am changed Romans chapter 1 verse 32 it's a harsh just judgment scripture that brings light to the things that you accept the things that you stamp your approval on and the things that you take pleasure in 23 sins that damn the soul of God God's judgment that He had made known unto us. It's not our judgments. It's not the world's judgments out there. God has damned these lifestyles of judgments. I'll float right through a few of them and then I'll go on and get to my point. Fornication and murder and wickedness. Covetous unrighteousness, maliciousness, debate, deceit, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, proud, inventors of evil things, disobedient unto parents, liars, homosexuals, lesbians, and any other ungodly act that you can put in the place of Romans chapter 1 verse 28 when God gives you a lifestyle that is unacceptable and that is condemned by Him. And verse number 32 says, Who knowing the judgments of God that they which do such things are worthy of death but not only do the same but have pleasure in them that do them. That is what I want to address for the church tonight. To take one thing out of this. But have pleasure in them that do them. Just because you don't participate in it. Just because you're not hands on on the matter. But you approve on it. You put your stamp of approval on it. You side with it. Your heart accepts it. 
You give acceptance for that sin, for that lifestyle out there. Your heart sides with it. You give your approval of it. The heart reasons with it. The heart sees eye to eye with that lifestyle out there. The heart accepts the lifestyles. The heart is entertained by their lifestyles. The heart has pleasure in them that do. The heart throws their lot in with them that do such things. I want you to know that God means what He says and He says what He means. That you should not take pleasure in all that junk and all that filthiness out there that is an abomination and contrary to the Word of God. The heart should not see the point of view out there in this world. The heart shouldn't vote for that junk out there in this world. The heart should not stand for that junk out there in the world. And the heart should not recommend and give itself over to that world out there so you'll have entertainment. You got them friends and those families and whatever else you're involved in. The heart should not. A child of God does not side with a child of the devil. You become that which you take sides with. I want you to understand that. It's not all innocence. It ain't well, it ain't me that's doing that. That ain't the way God sees it. God does not see it like that. There's no gray areas. There is white and there's black. There's good and there's evil. You must put your hand to that plow and not turn back. God established His Word, His judgments in heaven, asking me nothing, asking you nothing, declared it all on His own. He written it down and hath God said. The judgments of God are not yours. The judgments of God are not mine. The judgments of God are all His and He has declared it unto us, the church of the living God, on what to see and accept from the Lord. Jesus says, He that loves Me will keep My commandments. And he that loves Me not will not keep them. He that loves the world The love of the Father is not in him. That's what that means when you side with that world out there. He that loves the world, the love of the Father, the love of Christ is not in him. He that is a friend of the world is an enemy of God. That's black and white. I remember when you look back and you seen old Moses and he climbed up on the top of that mountain and oh, they built a golden calf down there. And when Moses came back, oh, he just tripped out and he broke those commandments and he said, all those on the Lord's side, stand over here. And all those on that golden calf side right over there and doesn't want Jehovah to be their God, stand over there. And there was a division. And Moses declared unto people, all right, everybody that's not over here, kill them. Because that is a dividing line with God. If you either are with Him or you are against Him. You are a friend of God or you are an enemy of God. The Bible says, hate even the garment that is spotted by the flesh. Sometimes that gets on down there when we got to thinking about it right there. God really hates the things of this world out there. 
Deuteronomy 30:19 says, I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. Therefore, choose life that both you and your seed may live. God always wants you to choose him. Yes. He is always wanting you to be for Him. And if God is for you, who can be against you? Amen. Elijah said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If Baal be your God, then you go out there and you serve God. But if God be your God, then you rise up and you hold fast to the hem of His garments and let Him know that you belong to Him. Yes. Jesus said, her first John 2 and 4 says, He that saith, I know him, and keep not his commandments, is a liar. Preachers that won't preach against sin, because flesh won't preach against flesh. And how could it? The house divided cannot stand. Flesh won't ever turn against itself, just because the devil won't return against himself because a house divided cannot stand. Unless God builds the house, them that labor, labor in vain. I cannot ever lose sleep thinking that I'm going to offend somebody's agenda. I can't lose sleep thinking I'm going to offend somebody's self-esteem. When I preach this gospel, i got to preach on the fear of the Lord. I can't have fear of man that can kill and destroy my body. I have to have fear of God that can destroy my body and my soul in hell. If I lose sleep, let it be because I'm praying yeah. for my wife and for my children and for my friends and for my families that maybe God, I can just say one more thing. I can do one more thing to keep them from falling. Thank you. Not everyone that saith, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but them that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. God's judgments are just. But His mercies are past finding out. God had every reason under the sun to judge me when I was lost out there. He had every reason. I gave him every opportunity to snuff my life out. All the drug use, all the accidents, all the junk I got myself involved in. And it would have been righteous of him because I was so hard-hearted, stiff-necked, and I was rebellious unto the Lord. But God favored me. God allowed judgment to pass by me. He withheld his judgment and he gave me mercy. Amen. I lived a reckless lifestyle. I made a lot of foolish choices in life. But I'll tell you what, the, the greatest choice that I ever made is I repented before the Lord. And I gave my heart unto Him. And He gave me a new mind. He gave me a new heart. He gave me a new lifestyle. He gave me so many more opportunities. If I fall, let me fall on the Lord. Psalms 103. It says, For as the heavens are high above the earth, 
So great is His mercies towards those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from Him. God says He will no longer have commandments on stone, but He will write them on the fleshly, the fleshly tablets of our heart. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, A new heart also will I give him, and a new spirit will I put in them. I will take away the stony heart out of his flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. I want you to know you have multiple opportunities with the Lord if you belong to Him. He loves us. That is all I have for you tonight. If anybody needs prayer, let them come. If everybody is good, praise the Lord. Hallelujah, praise the Lord.